What's up, everybody? In this installment of Pinheads of Horror, myself and Pindy sit down with director Damian Leone. Get ready for an awesome, nearly two-hour interview, so sit back and enjoy the episode. It'll still be fresh, you know. So instead of going to a different project, I think I should try and ride this out while it's got some momentum. 
Oh yeah, no. I would say honestly, it, it's gotten great reviews and it's getting received very well. So again, you might as well kind of keep going. I feel like the character can grow so much. Like it's an awesome character. Yeah, thank you, man. I mean, absolutely. And it's not like you know, I, there's more. There's more there. There's a lot more. You know, in the well that I could draw from. So, and I knew this going in. So it's not like I'm just like chasing my tail now and trying to figure out. It's like I know exactly where I'm going to take the character and everything. So, I, you know, I had the whole sequel. I'm actually trying to do it for a, trying to make a trilogy out of it. And then that's my, that's my goal right now. I feel like after that, I don't think there's going to be anything left creatively. I think that's like the most I, could, I can do. So that, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm aiming for. So I haven't watched it, but I saw, I, when I looked you up on IMDb, I saw you did that, uh, another movie, Frankenstein versus the Mummy. Yes, unfortunately, <laughs> I, I do. I have to say, so who does who does this? Like, your, I saw you did the special effects for the short, right? I like the short films you did. The special effects for everything that I that I write and direct. Dude, you do an amazing job. Uh, thank you so much. I was gonna say, like, I haven't again. I haven't watched the movie, but just from seeing like the trailer and stuff, like even on Frankenstein versus the Mummy, like, I it looks awesome. Like again. Thank you. Everything looks very cool, very well done. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, it's it's, it's hard. I'm gonna put a lot of work into it. That's one of the hardest parts, um, especially for terrifying. Those movies, like those monsters, are in the you know almost the entire movie. So every day before you start shooting, it's like I got to get there three, four hours earlier and put the makeup on. And then we have to shoot, and then sometimes there's special effects required within that day. And then at the end of the day, you got to stay later to help the actors, like an hour later, take take the makeup off. And yeah. it's, just, it's, it's really hard to do both. But when you're working with these budgets, it's like... You're taking many roles. Yeah, you know, it's like you can't afford to hire... I get, you know, I guarantee if you hire a makeup crew to do the amount of things that are in these movies, it would cost more than the budget of the movie, you know? So that's one of the advantages of having me as the director is I could do, I could do that. Did you did you go to school for it or no self taught when it comes to um, the makeup effects uh, I took I self taught pretty much for everything I did take one sort of uh, like an uh, aesthetics of directing class when I uh, first got out of high school so yeah, they, yeah. you know they, they don't really teach you anything technical it's really just um, you're studying movies and what kind of techniques work here and there but you're not learning how to use any equipment or anything like that. So, you know, I, you know they, at that point, I was very, very young, and they were show, I feel like if I took that class today, I would appreciate it a lot more. But, I was oh, so, yeah. you know, I was so young at the time, and they're, they're showing you foreign films and all these kind of movies that aren't the kind of films that got me into filmmaking in the first place, you know? So it was like I couldn't really identify with them. It wasn't why I wanted to make movies. So I, I didn't take much away from that class so um i just went out and did my own thing and learned trial you know trial and error making little jvc home home movies as a kid and just progressing from there oh yeah no let me know when you're ready because yeah no i definitely again that's just all stuff that i definitely would want to talk about more in the interview because i mean even in even ah. in fire i think (laughs) terrifier man the the kill scenes and stuff, man, are very like they're 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 gory. Like the way it's shot and stuff too. Like it's very 
like the kind of flashes to just like the the stab part. Like it, it's very well done. Thank you. I appreciate it. Do you it, do as well? I'm sorry? Do you do the editing as well? I edit the film. I do um, sound design. I did most of. Uh, yeah, a lot of stuff. Like a lot of the post-production stuff. Very, very hands-on with the whole film. I didn't say with Terrifier too. I thought the soundtrack was very well done too. I thought it like, it moved very well with the movie as far as like, the overall like soundtrack and even when you use like um, things that were more like um, uh, like actual actual music like when the guy was listening to headphones and stuff like I thought it was all just super well done like how he was like uh, he was listening to it when she gets pulled away and stuff like I thought that was all like super well done with the editing ah oh, thank you man. yeah well um, Mal, uh, the the composer is uh, Paul Wiley. And he's uh, Marilyn Manson's guitarist when they go on tour. And wow. he's, yeah, he's, he's unbelievable, unbelievable. That's like one of the easiest working relationships I have through the entire process because we barely have to say anything to one another. I just tell him this is the mood or this is the tone I'm looking for. I kind of want a uh, you know, John Carpenter kind of vibe, but like a little edgier, a little more modern. And he just goes and, yeah, or I'll send him. I'll send him like five pieces of pre-existing music from movies that I think are awesome. I think I sent him um, tracks from this movie, uh, this William Freakin' movie, Sorcerer, that I love, that Tangerine Dream did the, uh, the soundtrack for. Just like cool 80s things like that. And then he, yeah, and then he comes back and he's like, how's this? I'm like, it's fucking great. He'll just give me, he'll send me like an hour of, uh, of music and I could just splice it up and put it where I want and stuff like that. So, really, really cool guy. Really easy to work with. Uh, godsend that he works on it for us. Awesome. Hey, hey, hey Pendy. Yeah. I was recording that whole thing, so you're good. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. I got Pendy unleashed for about six minutes. I loved it. <laughs> well, now we don't, we don't have trash. It's wonderful. It's a great move. <laughs> Um, well, I guess I should now then say thank you for sitting down and talking to us. It's my pleasure, man. Thank you for having me. This is fun. I love doing this. I said time. Thank you, Ed, for I think Ed set this up over here. Ed is the guy who sets up everything with Penheads of Horror. I try to. <laughs> <laughs> Play thank with you, my Ed. Thanks like for reaching out. Play with my iPad like a fucking monkey humping a coconut for, you know, ten minutes. But, you know. but I mean, easily said. I think we we all who are in the group definitely love the movie. I mean, I thought it was super well done. Um, I mean, again, it's uh, a great kind of like. Again, I know Ed. I think you were the one who told me at least about All Hallows Eve. Um, I mean, way way back when we kind of started this podcast, um, and I remember watching it just because uh, when you mentioned how it's. Um, how it was done where it's like the, with the VHS tape and everything, I was like, Oh, that's awesome. And I, I remember just instantly really loving it. Um, and again, like the character art himself, like is just super cool. Um, I just, my favorite part about him is I love that. Like, there's no like audio to him at all. Like, I love the fact that like him, like even just like clapping and stuff, there's no audio to like, anything he does um 
And I think even, like, when you see those, like, moments where he even gets, like, hurt or stabbed or anything like that, like, he, no, like, audio in his reaction. You see the reaction, but there's... I just, I love that he has, like, no voice or, like, not even, like, a grunt or a groan. Um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a, um, a silent film nightmarish quality to him that I love. My Listen, I love... Absolutely love Freddy Krueger, but I love the the silent slashers. So I wanted to, you know, I, it's like it's one less thing to worry about, especially when you're writing the script. It's like now you gotta give him a personality and have him speak, and this is a whole other, you know, how how does how does he communicate? What's his sense of humor if you're using dialogue and stuff like that? That wasn't that wasn't something I wanted to be burdened with. So I, I stuck to, you know, classic Michael Myers, Jason, Leatherface, just silent, more effective, you know, simplistic is uh, more effective a lot of times to me. So that's why. And, um, yeah, even when, even like you said, even when he gets stabbed and he should just make some kind of grunt or, uh, you know, uh, so just something in pain. It's just like, even that, that would take away that would take away from it because then you start saying oh well he can talk and he's choosing not to or, what, or whatnot so I thought you know just no sound whatsoever would be a lot creepier so that's something we're definitely sticking with when we do like you said with like the silent movie stuff it, it reminds me of like when you would see the clowns laughing in like the silent movies but you wouldn't hear them like you would just have to kind of know that they're laughing by them like bending over and clapping and like stuff like that it reminded me of that so it was a really cool like again it kind of put like again where you don't really know if it's an actual person who's art or if it's like you know just some kind of like weird character that how it came to be kind of thing right like, right, right clown like i don't know like <laughs> um, yeah no i i agree that there was something always very um I, when I was very young, I, I saw a handful of silent films. Not too many, but I grew up watching the original um, Phantom of the Opera and Nosferatu. And okay. they, yeah, and they were always, um, they had just a very eerie quality to them, obviously. And just even the people, just the, the speed of the film is off and it's a little faster and jerky. And the people are there. There's a lot of heavy makeup on them, and every, everything about it is very creepy. So that that was a very conscious decision making making Art the Clown to have him sort of mimic uh, silent film aspects. I, I very much appreciated that. I liked that a lot. And again, to have that mixed with like the grindhouse like kind of feel of everything, I I thought it was a great kind of, of mixture there. Like. Um, and again, it kind of made his character so much more creepier, where it's like, you don't know if it's like, just like a person who act like, again, is just like driven to be that way, or like, you don't really know. Um, so obviously, I'm guessing it's the same character from All Hallows' Eve. Um, was this a story that you had thought for him, um, like when you had done that movie? Is art something like you had always kind of had, or um, is it something that you kind of did, I saw, like, I know there's the short even after All Hallows' Eve, um, like, is it something, have you have you kind of made different storylines for art that you, I mean, I feel like, well, I mean, I'm a musician, so I feel like sometimes you just write lyrics even if you don't have uh, music, so I feel like sometimes even if you don't even, like, you might have storylines that you don't even know if you'll necessarily use them, like, 
is this just one of many, or was this something you kind of always wanted to do? Uh, no, yeah, yeah, you're 100% right. Um, so the first story in All Hallows' Eve, um, where the girl is in the train station waiting room, the first time you ever see Art the Clown, he sits next to her and injects her with a needle. That was the first, um, so I made that short film way before uh, All Hallows' Eve came about. So that was my first I, the first idea I ever came up with, uh, you know, regarding Art the Clown. I just, I just had this idea of a woman riding a bus in the middle of the night, um, just like going through a really bad neighborhood. She's the only one on the bus. And then all of a sudden, at, at this stop, a clown gets on. It's not even Halloween or anything. So just right off the bat, it's very strange and eerie. And he sits across from her, and basically it unfolds just like it does. It winds up unfolding in the in the short film or in the beginning of All Hallows Eve. So I, I don't know why, I don't know where it really came from. I just that just that idea came into my head. So it, you know, just in the context of it being a short film, Art the Clown is is not really the star of that short film. He's just this kind of cool character who pops up and he you know moves the. Uh, the protagonist from point A to B. He just abducts her and he drops her off to these this, this cult, this satanic cult of demons, and they take care of her. So th- that was it. That was it. I was just it was my first short film, uh, the first time I was ever shooting on actual 35 millimeter film. Uh, up until that point, it was a JVC camcorder. So this was a this was a quantum leap for me. So uh, I just wanted to make something that was kind of like my calling card at the time, and now I've been referring to it as my kitchen sink short film. So I was just throwing everything at the wall. So if you watch that short, it's just, it's witches, demons, monsters, a clown, it's everything. I was just hoping something was going to work, would stand out to people. And it, it, Art the Clown was the thing that people kept talking about when they saw that short film. Nothing else. I mean, what, you know, there was other things that they thought were cool, but they, they made it a point to be like, well, that, that clown really stands out, man. You should make another short with him or do something with him and expand on that character. So... Yeah, when I wrote that, I didn't have anything in mind for him other than that little sequence. So when I started getting that feedback, then I wrote uh, the short film Terrifier, which is the the final segment in All Hallows' Eve where he really shines. Okay, and then Terrifier is just basically a, a feature-length version of that. Whatever I, however I could imagine to stretch that out into an hour and twenty-minute movie. To terrify the feature is what I what I came up with. Which again, I I thought was super well done. I'll let Ed take a moment if he wants to ask some questions because I know I've kind of kind of taken up here a little bit. But uh, um, Ed, obviously, if you want to ask a few, sure. I know I enjoyed Pindy Unleashed. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I have more, so just let me know. All right. Um, you know, one thing I want to say is uh, I found out about All Hallows' Eve about five years ago, and I remember pre-ordering it on Amazon and getting that notification that it showed up and, like, just rushing home to, like, I've been waiting for this ever since I saw the trailer, and I wasn't let down. I loved it. Um, one thing I want to ask you is why did you recast uh, the actor who played Art? Uh, well, um, first of all, thank you for ordering it. I really appreciate that. I'm glad it didn't let you down. <laughs> um, the actor who plays uh, Art Walhouse Eve is my very close friend, Mike Gianelli. Um, he's not really an actor. So when I was making little camcorder movies, 
he was just a friend who was gracious enough to let me put makeup on him if I ever had to do a test or uh, always testing out special effects that I was learning. So if I had to shoot him in the face or put a pump behind his head and blow his brains out, he would always let me use him as my guinea pig, basically. And then when we made the Ninth Circle short film, you know, I was looking for people to play these demons and go under heavy-duty prosthetics, and I knew Mike was going to be you know, totally cool with it. So it was literally just like that, like throwing a, a dart and just being like, hey, Mike, you play the clown, basically. And he, so he played the clown, and he just did a fucking phenomenal job. Phenomenal job. And then Terrify came along as a no-brainer. It's like, we got to do another thing with this clown. And he played it, and he did a fantastic job. So when Terrify came along, I thought it was another no-brainer. I begged him to do it, but he's not an actor. It's not his thing. So, And he has, well, he has a hard time going through hours and hours of the makeup and sitting in it for 14 hours. And it, it, it is stressful, especially if you're not an actor. It's just like it's, he's more doing me a favor. So he really said, you know, I really don't think I'm up to it this time to, to sit through a whole feature. You know, I really wanted him to do it, but he, he just said, you know, I'm, I'm just not feeling it this time. So we had to cast it, and that was the scariest part because he was the only thing, like, if he, obviously, he's the only thing in All Hallows' Eve that's pretty fantastic, just, like, spot on. There's that movie that's just flawed beyond belief, but Art the Clown is pretty, pretty awesome in that movie. So, you know, that's like, oh, great. The only thing that totally worked is like now I have to, you know, it's a huge gamble to recast that role. But we did it, and as soon as David Howard Thornton, who's the Mark the Clown, walked into the audition, I said, I said, can you, uh, you know, there was no script or anything. You know, I think they just came in saying, oh, you have to play a killer clown or something like that, and just people just started coming in. So I said, can you, uh, he doesn't speak, uh, can you, like, sort of pantomime the act? You know, soaring off somebody's head gleefully or something like that and he, he did this awesome this awesome performance and he's like uh, holding it up and licking the blood and doing all this crazy stuff and me and my producer were like wow that was pretty pretty fucking awesome um, and especially the physicality because he was he's taller and he's a lot lankier he's a lot skinnier than, than Mike was and I always envisioned Art the Clown to be a really skinny you know almost like just the way he moved kind of like an alien very gaunt so he, he was perfect I couldn't wait to put the, the prosthetic onto him and see how it looked and Dave is uh, I mean Dave's fantastic again people reviewing and critiquing Terrifier they have they, they find a lot of faults in it and whatnot. but but everybody just loves pretty much Art the Clown like he just uh, Dave did a fantastic job so pretty much if you like the movie you love Dave's performance in it so we really lucked out yeah, I really, I really love this performance, and it's kind of funny because he actually followed me on Instagram, and uh, I saw his face, and I'm like, "You're a fucking creep," <laughs> just because I couldn't, I couldn't separate him from art. So I'm looking at his face, and I'm like, uh, "You fucking creep," <laughs> but. He is. He is. He's probably the creepiest person I ever... No, he's not at all. He's not. He's actually the sweetest guy you could ever, ever imagine hanging out with. I absolutely love him. Like, zero drama, no problems. I, we, we talk all the time. Um, he's just a, a total pleasure. Total pleasure. So I want to talk about a couple of my favorite scenes from Terrifier. Um, it was shot beautifully, especially for, you know, a lower-budget movie. Um just the scenery is great. Like the whole setup in the pizza place, I thought was amazing. Um, 
One of my favorite shots in the movie is right when they find the uh, the improvised jack-o'-lantern. I don't want to spoil too much. And then Art just pops into frame. And there's that dark background. But he is just somehow standing out like a bright light. And he's holding the meat, uh, the cleaver in his hand. And when I was watching it, I'm like, oh, that poor guy is so fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thank you, man. That's my uh, my DP who's done. He did, I think um, he did the wraparound. I met him on All Hallows Eve. He did the wraparound story with the babysitter. That may have been the only thing he did on it. Uh, and then he shot Frankenstein versus the Mummy. And he's just he's just like he's one of my best friends. Uh, we we both live in Staten Island. And um, yeah, he's he's a beast. He's a beast. And is it, it? You know, it is. I I, I can't even say publicly try not to what the actual budget of the movie was but i mean if people knew i think they their minds would be blown so that a lot of that is a testament to um, a lot of that is a testament to, to george the dp he's just uh he's phenomenal he works a lot on music videos so he, he knows how to work fast and you know he knows uh, he's just he's almost like a one-man army he has help but he's he's unbelievable so he brought a lot a lot to the movie a lot you know, and the other thing, too, is I think you actually have a cult figure in the making with art because, you know, I've seen just the countless people who've gotten his face tattooed on them. And, you know, people people love art. I mean, art is, you know, really, really starting to come up there. And I really think that a lot of studios missed out by not picking this up if that was even an option. Um, because I think your first day out, you were already in the top 10 on iTunes for, uh, downloads, I think, right? Or. Yeah, it was pretty high. I think it was even in the top five and on the, on the UK iTunes, it was in the top three, maybe it may, it may have even been number two at one point. It, it's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. People getting tattoos is the most surreal thing. I mean, that's, that's the greatest honor when I see that. I can't even believe people are doing that. Um. So it, it's it's a trip, man. It's really cool. I'm, I'm I'm really glad that he's resonating because, especially because he's resonating with hardcore horror fans, and that's all I am really at, at heart. I'm just a, I grew up watching these movies since I'm three years old, and it led me into the, this this path and this career. I mean, that's why he. This isn't something I just one day I was like, I think I'm going to try and make a horror movie. This is like one of those things where it's like I'm born and bred to do this. So it, it cool. it's cool to know. It's like kind of like my, my family, you know, that I'm around with all these people. It's like I totally get it and everything. So it's, it's really cool. Right on, man. You know, I, uh, I really think that with this Terrifier, especially if you're going to do a trilogy, I, I can only imagine, like, which way you would go. I was thinking about it yesterday while I was getting ready for the interview, and I was, like, writing questions down. And I'm like, what would a perfect continuation be of the first film and I was like you know what if he realizes that you know that one chick isn't dead and he goes and looks for her <laughs> you know I don't know I just gave away the ending of the movie oh shit <laughs> whoops <laughs> what if that's my idea <laughs> what if that was my idea and now people are going to think that I ripped it off from you see uh, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I feel like we're in um we're in a cool place because 
it's like we left so much open. Like this was kind of um, this was kind of just Art the Clown's time to shine, like just to showcase him as a character and to see what he's capable of, what he's about, um, without giving. Basically, we didn't give anything away, and that's that's one of the faults people have. Who you know, a lot of people are just like, oh, but there's no there's no plot or there's no backstory. Some people love the fact that Arthur Clown doesn't have a backstory, and that that could be an issue because me personally, I don't think. Um, I don't think you can make a, a trilogy, or even I, I, I personally, I don't think I can go into the next movie without telling people what or who he is, or at least giving um, a, a decent amount of information as to what what he is or who he is, um, because it's just um, you know we did that already. That that was the first one, and now it's a bit of a cop out. You can't just have the same movie where he's just killing five new people and you're not learning anything as an audience. You might as well just keep watching the first movie. So uh, I feel like we're uh, immediately, no matter what process of elimination, we're going to lose some people because they're not going to they're not going to like the fact that we gave him any kind of backstory, even if it's a kick-ass backstory. So it's tricky. It's it's, it's kind of a sacrifice, but I kind of have to make the movie for me as well, and this is where I want to see it go. So I think it's cool. I don't think it takes anything away. I think it adds to his mythology in the long run. I think people. Are, I think a lot of people are going to dig it, and, and I don't think it's going to let down uh, his mythology. I think I think it's going to add to it. Okay, for the record, everyone who hears this, if that does happen, he came <laughs> up with it before me, because I just thought of it yesterday. So, there you go. Got your escape route. You know, I, I, I agree with you. I think... Um, Keeping art as open as possible, or I'm sorry, keeping art as closed as possible is a great idea because um, a perfect example, you know, I'm a huge Halloween fan and when I heard of what the plot of the new Halloween is, or what the reboot or re whatever the fuck it is, um, I was like, wow, that's actually really frightening to think of. Where it's not so much motivated by I have to kill my bloodline, it's motivated by all these murders are going to be random. And, you know, when I think of the opening scene of Art just walking down the street, you know, the idea of someone that's, or something that's capable of doing all that, walking freely, just like looking for somebody to torture and kill, is more terrifying than any backstory you could ever give them. So... can, can I? Can we just talk about Halloween for a second? Because again, I'm just a huge horror fan. I would just love to shoot the shit about Halloween for a second. So, oh, man, after my people, own heart, go ahead. People don't, <laughs> people don't realize because Halloween is so popular as a franchise. They look at it as a whole, right? They look at the whole story. If you take yourself out of Halloween as a giant franchise and you just focus on part one, there, there is no story. Like there is no reason why. He hunts down Laurie Strode. That's not his sister, right? He's just hanging out in his old house. That's the first woman he sees drop off the keys. And he just fixates on her, whether she reminds him of his sister or not. That's the only reason. She, chance encounter. He, just, she see, he sees her and he fixates on her for the rest of the movie. Whoever comes in contact or whoever gets in his way from that point on, he kills, right? And that, that's sort of what I did with Terrifier. It's just a chance encounter he has with these girls. And once he fixates on them, that's it. He's just hunting them, and if you happen to get in his way, he's going to kill them. That, I mean, Halloween, the first Halloween, is one of my favorite movies of all time. So there's, there's obviously tons, tons of influences and 
whatnot from Halloween and Terrifier. I mean, John Carpenter's one of my favorite directors of all time. So, but that's something people totally forget about. Even when they talk about Halloween one, they're like, oh, it's his sister, you know, and this and that. It's totally not his sister in part one. It's not at all. And so, it's it's interesting to step aside and watch part one for what it is sometimes, and it's a lot cooler. So, but yeah, but like you said, so um, in the new Halloween, supposedly, well, he's back in the mental institution and uh camera crew is they just handed the man the mask or something yeah they're doing, they're doing like one of those true crime documentaries you know those things that are really popular on netflix now okay and it, it, i i i'm going off of what i read so this is the picture i got in my mind where they're in the yard with him and he's just kind of sitting there in that catatonic state that he's always in uh-huh. and they pull the mask out and kind of like when you know the alpha animal at the zoo is pissed off and enraged all the animals around them, like, you know, go nuts. Apparently that's what happens. And from there, uh, from what I read, he goes back to Haddonfield and instead of, you know, going after Lori specifically, he just goes house to house and starts killing people. And Oh, I didn't hear that. Okay. That, that's what I picked up from what I read, but, you know, obviously we're probably not going to see a trailer until The Purge movie comes out because it's the same film company. I mean, hopefully it's sooner, but, um, I mean, even, even the mask looks, looks interesting. The fact that, you know, it's a withered old mask, which, you know, being a special effects guy, you would know that, you know, over time latex probably doesn't hold up. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, that was a cool thing that Rob Zombie did. Uh, yeah, when I first saw the new mask, I was like, wow, that is, that's Rob Zombie's Halloween mask. Like, I thought they were going to go in a completely different direction. But then when you think about it, it makes sense, especially in the context of the story where they show him the original mask. It has to look like that where all this time has gone by. I mean, in, real, in reality, that mask wouldn't even exist at this point. It would, be, it would just be like a, a lump of jello or something. But, um, but I, th- I think that's pretty awesome. I just wonder how they're going to... How do you explain six bullets in him and him taking that fall, and how did that happen? I'm curious. How, how they... Fifty Cent was shot nine times. He's still alive. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Done. <laughs> <laughs> Done. <laughs> um, so yeah, Pindy, did you have anything else? Um, yeah. So, I mean, again, so there was just a couple things. Um, obviously, okay. So I just want to say just a couple of my favorite parts of the movie. Um, I guess without giving too much away, um, I thought, okay, first off, the what appears to be the main character, the the girl who, to me, looks very much like Nev Campbell. Tara, mm-hmm. yeah. Really reminds me of Nev Campbell from Scream, especially in certain, certain shots. Um, when, when she gets taken out, I was just like, yes. Like, I don't know. Sometimes for me, when you think what is to be, like, the main character is is, is kind of eliminated like I mean to me that is like the it's such like a gratifying feeling because like I don't know I don't want it to all be about this one person who's gonna like I love that the struggle keeps going because then you wonder even more so like where's like what the hell is gonna happen now like I, I again I thought it was super well written super well done um, I thought one of the creepiest things I've seen in a long time is when he skins the woman and wears her skin and walking around the way he walks around and like like stumbles around and stuff like 
and like is fixing his hair. I thought that was one of the creepiest things I had seen in the longest time. Yeah, uh, for sure. <laughs> Fuck. That's that's where that's where Dave really really came through for me and really shined as an actor. And that was one of the biggest. Um, I had the most trepidation with that scene because I love the idea of him skinning somebody. And wearing it, originally when I was writing it, I, I figured he would put the... I, I'll tell you how the whole scene came to be. Like years ago when I was writing the script, uh, I, I think I showed it to my, my ex-girlfriend at the time. And she was, and she was just saying, I, it would be cool. That scene wasn't in it. I, I was probably just telling her ideas. And she said, um, you know, it would be cool if you had a scene where Art the Clown was just wearing a wig. That, that's what she said. She said it would be weird to see him with like long hair. And I was like, yeah, I guess that would be kind of cool. And I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, of course he would look creepy with long hair. Um, but then I'm like, well, he wouldn't be wearing a wig, he'd be wearing a scalp, right? Because everything with Arthur Clown is you got to go sicker and you just go as far as possible. So he'd probably be wearing a wig, and I'm like, well, if he, so if he took a wig, that means that he killed somebody, he took the wig from her, he took the scalp from her. And I'm like, is he only going to take the scalp? I mean, he's a sick fuck. I'm like, no, so... Right now, he's looking like a woman, so he's going to probably take every attribute of, of the woman and, and wear that. So originally, I'm like, well, he'll have her, her breasts and whatever else on his clown suit. And then I'm like, but that's going to look ridiculous. It's not going to have the same effect as if he's wearing it on his naked body. And I'm thinking other slashers, like, could you imagine Freddy doing that or, or Michael Myers or Jason? I'm like, not a million years. I'm like, we're taking him completely out of his costume, out of his element, just making him so vulnerable. You know what I'm saying? That's the most, that's the riskiest thing you could possibly do. But then I said, yeah, just fuck it. You know, let's just take a chance. Let's just roll the dice and do it. I mean, he's sick. He'll do that. And especially because the movie is just, it, it's really like the last 15 minutes of a slasher where the killer's in the movie. Like, Art the Clown's really the star of the movies. He's in like 85% of it. So it's like at that point, it's starting to get stale to me. Uh, he's just chasing and killing, ch- hunting and killing, whatnot. I'm like, we got to switch it up a bit. I'm like, if we take him out of his costume and do something crazy like that, that's going to that's gonna breathe new life into the movie. So I said, fuck it. Let's just, let's just try it. And let's just, the only thing we'll do is we'll keep your, we'll keep your clown shoes on. That should be <laughs> <laughs> So that's what we did. And uh, Dave just got so into it. And Dave never did nudity or anything before that was his first uh i think this was his first feature uh everything he's done up to this at least if he was in something he certainly didn't have to get naked for it and dave's such a trooper and he was just like if Catherine had to do the scene upside down naked and she had to be that vulnerable and everything and she believed in the movie that much he's like he's like i'll do it so he did it and uh he he fucking killed it we shot in two different ways so we did, we did one whole scene where uh, one version, he's actually holding the baby doll the whole time. Oh, um, yeah, it, it was really cool. It was interesting, and it was creepy, and he had the baby whispering to him, and when he's looking for the girl in the closet, the baby's kind of like giving him hints as to where she might be. And it, it, it was definitely cool. But when he didn't have the baby, and I had him do all that weird stuff with his, with his hands, and he just looked, it looked so freaky. So I was like, yeah. you know, I would just go with the freaky, you know, the freaky look and all that weird movement that he was doing. I thought it was more effective than having the baby doll. So that's why we went with that, which is a testament to Dave's performance. So that's, yeah. that's, that's his, his movements and just like the aesthetic he put out of just like what. Yeah, it was very off putting. Like it was. 
It was very disturbing. This is disturbing. It's weird. It's awkward. <laughs> yeah. This is after you just saw, like you said, the moment where a, a person gets cut in half, pretty much. Like it's it's, and not like how you would normally imagine a person might get cut in half. It's you know, from. Uh, well, that's a real. That's a real <laughs> torture method from God knows when, maybe like the 1500s or something. So I was when I was writing this, I was researching medieval torture methods, and that was one of them. Um, it wasn't done exactly like that. Uh, obviously, it wasn't a, a hacksaw. It was this giant, giant saw, and it would be a it would be a person on each end, and they would just go back and forth and saw the person in half. And it, it was just really disturbing because when you're hanging upside down, all the blood rushes. To the yeah. bottom of your body, so it's all in your head. So you could, you're not bleeding out, so you're not dying that quickly, as quickly as you would imagine you're dying, which is it's, it's absolutely horrifying. So you could, you could get down to like the person's uh, chest plate before they died. So I said, yeah, so I just said, oh god, I mean, if, yeah, and and I wanted to do something that I hadn't seen before in a movie, or else what the hell are we doing here? You know, just get, how many times you're gonna stab somebody? How many times you're gonna yeah, it's just every everything's been done before. So I figured if we can do this and we can make it that graphic, especially on such a low budget, but we don't have to worry about a studio or studio executives looking over our shoulder and saying, "Oh, you can't make it this violent. It's got to make an R rating and blah blah blah." So that was one of our advantages. So I was just like, you know, let's just do something that's so crazy and graphic and over the top that people are going to talk about when the movie's over so i said that's that'll do it i think so we we went for it and people are talking about it so i think it was the right move no and i again i thought all the kills were super well done the the they were the super like again just well shot um like kill scenes um were were the were any of them inspired by anything i know like Obviously, like, that one we just talked about was, like you said, pretty original. Um, but, like, were, was there anything, any kills or anything that you kind of considered kind of, like, a homage to anything? I thought a lot of the, oh, I just mentioned John Carpenter. A lot of the special effects definitely remind me of The Thing. Like, oh, it's, wow, that's the greatest compliment of all time. Um Consciously, I mean, going into this movie, nothing with the thing. Believe it or not, uh, I mean, it's one of my favorite movies. I love that, especially as a both a director and a makeup artist. That movie is like the cream of the crop when it comes to that stuff. But um, I would say the kill, uh, the first kill of the, the guy in the pizzeria, where he just keeps stabbing him relentlessly in the face. Like when you a knife hanging out of his cheek, like that was just so gruesome. Thank you, man. That that was probably. That was, I would say, if that was influenced by anything, it was the, the first kill in Suspiria. I'm sure you guys are familiar with Suspiria, but the opening kill in Suspiria where the guy's just stabbing the girl repeatedly in the chest so many times, and then, like, uh, cuts back to her chest, and uh, her heart is exposed because he cut her open so much, and then he stabs the heart. It just keeps going and going and going. I, so that was another thing I wanted to do with this movie was, it's like, at this point, everything is a cliche, or it's all been done before. So if I can do it and uh, flip it or make it more intense, where in most movies the killer stabs somebody once and then they're out of the movie. So in this, it's like instead of stabbing him once, I'll have him stab the guy 16 times. 
Or when you think, the you know, he stabs him in the cheek and then it cuts away to the girls in the car and you're like, oh, well, that scene's over. And then it cuts back and he's still stabbing him. Then it cuts back to the girls and you're like, oh, it's over now. It cuts back and it just keeps going on and on. You're like, oh, God, when's this going to end? So I feel like we did that probably a couple of times in the movie where you think it's going to end and it just keeps going on and on. Um, getting back to what you said earlier with uh, the gunshot and him killing killing the, the hero, who you think is going to be the, the, girl, the final girl and just... That's another thing where I just figured we'll twist that. So because it's all it's done ever so often in movies, not necessarily just horror movies. That it's done like it's done in sort of done in To Live and Die in L.A. I don't know if you ever saw it in that movie, but like oh, the last yeah. 20, yeah, the last twenty minutes of the movie, William Peterson gets a shotgun blast to to his head out of nowhere. And it's one of the craziest, most shocking things ever. You're like, holy shit. I did, like, that's the last thing you ever saw coming. It's so powerful. It's like the one thing you remember from the movie. So things like that always stand out. So like Psycho, clearly Janet Lee getting killed is, is a huge influence. So again, we're just trying to set up the Arthur Clown character as someone you just, is so unpredictable. You never know what he's going to do, what he's going to pull out. Nobody's safe around him. So this is kind of just setting up the atmosphere revolving around his character especially for the next one so now everybody if we do another one is going to be on their toes and just like they're not going to trust anything that's going on anybody could go at any minute and whatnot you know so that, that was my intention there no yeah again i i, I definitely loved uh loved the character loved everything about it um so is there like so obviously like you guys are going to if you do another one, it's gonna. You're definitely gonna try and up the ante. Like, I mean, you gotta, you gotta try and outdo the, the kill scenes you've done and everything like that. Do you have ideas already kind of in place, or I, I, I do a hundred percent. That's gonna, the hardest part. Is gonna be, is gonna be. Well, the two, the two real like, you know, problem areas is gonna be trying to top the hacksaw scene because that's the one everybody's talking about and messing with art, the clown's mythology and giving the, giving away uh, his backstory. So those are the two things I have to worry about. As far as topping the hacksaw scene, I have two, two scenes that I'm going to put in this movie that are going to be, they're going to be insane. They're really going to be disturbing and crazy. Um, I don't, I don't, I'm sorry. Are, Are you planning to, on the next one, um, Again, you've done so much uh, yourself on the last one and your projects in the past. Are you planning to then also on this one, again, since you kind of have the vision in mind and everything, are you going to plan to to still kind of take hold and do a lot of the, the effects and things like that? Because, again, I think you did a fantastic job. Um, but that's what I mean. Like, it seems like as it grows like, and you do more, is it something that you're still going to try and attempt to do are you going to maybe try and get is like has anyone maybe since seeing it has anyone um that you'd ever want to work with like contacted you or like who would you ever want to work with first off like oh i mean the list of uh makeup artists is that, that i admire is, is endless so there, there's so many um i mean i i talk to some like really you know cutting edge or just like makeup artists that are really like writing you know, the midst of the industry right now doing great stuff. So I'm friends with some of them, but it really all comes down to, to budget. I mean, that's, that's what it comes down to. If we got a huge budget, because the one thing that I'm going to do no matter what 
is right the craziest shit and just the most relentless stuff. And no matter what, I'm going to shoot it. So if yeah. we, you know, awesome. if we can't get the money to have to hire a great makeup crew because it, in a perfect world, I would love to have the greatest. There, there are just so many just spectacular makeup artists who would wipe the floor with the stuff that I could do. It's like, yeah, I could tell them. It's like, yeah, I, I could create some cool stuff on the page and I could execute it pretty well. But if I could write it and then hand it off to people who are just like at the top tier, they, they would they would just blow it out of the water. So if I had the choice, I would absolutely do that. And I would love to sit back and focus more on the directing. And the directing would be so much better. The final product would be so much better. But if I have to do it myself, I'm absolutely going to do it because I'm not going to compromise any of the special effects. So I Which, mean, I, fantastic job. Which, like I said, I think you do a great job. Um, one of the best things that I really love about the development of art uh, from All Hallows' Eve from or to Terrifier is like little looks, little changes that you made, not just to obviously like it's a different person. Um, like you said, he's, he, you can see he's like a little like lankier. Um, I love that like his teeth were like blacked out or like covered in blood um, in the, in the Terrifier where in the first one, he looks almost more like, almost more like a wholesome clown. Um, he looks, I mean, he's still creepy. I mean, I'm not saying he's not creepy, but like, I feel like he gets creepier looking as it goes on. At the beginning, I feel like he he looks much more wholesome at the beginning of All Hallows' Eve, where at in Terrifier, he just right from the get-go, I mean, he looks scary as fuck. Like, I, like again, I, I just, as soon as I saw him with, like, the sharpened, like, bloody teeth, I was like, fuck. Like, that, that just, <laughs> with everything else, that just really made it. And I, I again, I love that he carried... Um, he carried the the garbage bag with him, and I love that. Like in the pizza shop, I loved his demeanor and like how he, like he just sat there staring at them, and uh, it was just super well done. Um, but again, it like is it something like um, kind of like with um, with Michael Myers, like in Terrifier Two? Would you then have his his um, makeup and stuff kind of or would he be all clean again or would he continue to kind of have that same gritty like it almost never stopped no i I would start fresh again i think that's like one of the best parts is to see him uh sort of degenerate as the movie goes on so he's definitely going to be clean again and uh and whole again at the beginning of the next one uh, yes, I think that's effective. I like seeing him clean. I think he's, it's it's a completely different. Um, yeah, I mean it's 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 effective when he's clean, and you get to see him for what he really is, and then to just see the blood slowly start building up on him as the movie goes, and uh, whatever wounds he, he you know uh, are inflicted and whatnot, and it starts piling up by the end. I love seeing transformations of characters through movies. Oh, yeah. So uh, yeah, we're definitely going to do that. Um, yeah, the, I mean, the garbage bag, as far as that is concerned, it's like every slasher movie besides Freddy, Freddy's got his glove, and that's the that's the weapon, but it's like they have to find weapon as they go along, or just Jason pops up with a different weapon, and it's like, well, how did he, where did he, where did he find that weed whacker and whatnot, so it's, I figured if you... Yeah, if he just has this giant bag of tricks, the audience knows, you know, where he's getting them, they don't question it, they know he can pull anything out of there at any time, 
So well, and I love at the beginning. You see him working on them too. You see him drilling out like all the like at the end when he's whipping her. Like you see him drilling all that stuff out. And, like yeah. you see, he puts time into his tools. Like yeah, and that's a total homage to uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Obviously, when Freddy, the first one, where Freddy's making his glove, which is one of the coolest scenes ever. It's most iconic, making the iconic glove. I and mean, that scene is just unbelievably powerful. So yeah, that was that's that was. Take from the best. <laughs> so what, what would you say, I mean, is your biggest accomplishment with this movie? Like, what would you say is your biggest achievement with this movie? Um, it's definitely just Arthur Clown as a character. I think a character is the hardest thing to, to pull off, like, a, that, that resonates with people. That I mean, that there, people are getting tattoos on him. And that's... And that's like, yeah, that's me as a as a writer. When you think about it, and that's probably my weakest uh, my weakest skill set. So that, that that's that's cool to me. Is that it's just him as a character just took off. But it's not so much that. It's like you know, I came up with the you know the me. I did it. You know, sculpted the the prosthetic. I came up with the the color scheme and the outfit and everything like that. So. For me, I mean, that's just the biggest thing is just having this, 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 Im- making this image that sticks in people's minds for some reason, which I don't really know. Uh, to me, it just it looks cool. If I had to create a clown, this is what he looked like. So the fact that other people think it's cool also is just the greatest uh, compliment I can get. Um, so I, I only have like uh, maybe one or two questions left, and then I'm, I'm good if Ed has any more. Um, so moving forward, do you think you're always going to do, I mean, again, I, I haven't watched um, Frankenstein versus The Mummy, um, but I, is, is it done in a grindhouse um, kind of fashion? Are you planning to, like, is Terrifier 2, are you always going to do Art the Clown in, like, a grindhouse kind of fashion? Again, I, I feel like, again, it fits it fits the, the story and the, the genre very well. Um, and his character very well too. And like I said, I think that with like the the silent clown era character, I feel like it works very well. Um, I just wasn't sure. Like I mean, again, I really like it. I wasn't sure if that's something you were gonna continue doing, or if it was just like you want to try different things. Or no, I, I I love the grindhouse. My favorite movies, especially horror movies, are seventies horror movies. So, like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. If I, if I could make this movie look exactly like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I, I would. That's my favorite. There's just something about that look. It's just, on, on its own, it just already, the look just elevates the movie to a different level. So, definitely want to keep the retro look, but I would love to, I've already been speaking to George, the DP, you know, we want to we wanna update the camera. We want to shoot it on a better camera, but still have that retro look where it could, it could just look more, like I hate saying Hollywood because that doesn't, what does that really mean? But just look just look bigger budget. Where yeah. just, you know what I mean? Like this one's very low budget, but it could still have that vibe. Movies do it all the time where it looks retro, but it just looks better. It just looks like you got a bigger budget. So I, I'd love to do that, but we're still going to have that retro tone where the colors... I kind of had that '70s vibe to him. Yeah, no, I think it works very well for for again the the tone of the movie and the character and everything. Yeah, I mean the character. I'm not doing anything with Art the Clown where 
I'm going to flip a switch and he's not going to be him. He's always going to be him, whether or not you agree or not with how he became what he is or who he is. That's a different story. But I mean, I, I'm pretty confident that he's going to deliver again because one of the, like one of the things going into Terrify the Feature was because everybody, whether if even if you didn't like All Hallows Eve, like a lot of people liked Art the Clown, they liked the last short, like the last 30 minutes of, of that movie. And that was Terrifier, the short film, before it was incorporated into All Hallows Eve. So making Terrifier, I said, it has to be as close to that short film as possible because you, almost unanimously, like everybody liked the short film. So the stupidest thing you could do is just, you know, go too far off track of what people like from that. So I'm going to do the same thing with the sequel. I mean, I'm going to take, and I'm very, um, I'm always looking and watching reviews and hearing what people have to say, reading comments. So I know what people, what really resonates with people and things that didn't work and whatnot. And I'll, I'll try my best to steer it into the direction of the things that are kind of unanimous that people like. So, I mean, in that regard, I think it's pretty safe. I think people are going to dig the, the sequel, dig Art the Clown. There's some really cool freaking kill scenes. There's one scene that I'm, I'm actually I'm on the cusp of whether or not I should put it in the movie or not because I feel like a lot of people are going to be offended by it. So it's like, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, that's another thing you were saying before, like topping the hacksaw scene, as ridiculous as it sounds, because some people will see that scene and think that's the most uh, atrocious, you know, X-rated thing. To me, I still feel like there's a level of taste that was executed in that scene. I'm not, I'm not kidding. Like there's, there's things that you see out there where they would just show it going through her, you know, there's, there's her nether. Like, like for you know, a ridiculous amount of time, make it so gratuitous. Whereas like I'm, I'm still from like kind of that school of like Friday the 13th, the final chapter, where you like you see graphic stuff, but you see it like for quick cuts, and then you cut away. And I, You know, even though I cut back to it a lot of times, it's still like quick, almost like subliminal shots of violence, where you could go a lot more gratuitous with it. So now I'm in that tricky, you know, uh, it's like that juncture of how do you elevate it from that kill, but still be in some sort of, you know, area of taste, where you don't totally cross a line. Yeah, I, I very much, uh, and again, I thought it was well done. Where again, you didn't do any, like you said, gratuitous close-ups or anything that was unnecessary yeah. to make you more like, again, seem sexist or just like seem like it was just trying to be more sexy than like a right. kill. Yeah, uh, I mean, core like, horror fans like us understand that more mainstream people would just look at it and be like, "Oh, that's just." The craziest thing I ever saw. But we know things that are way worse than that, or just linger on things forever, where it just you just know the person's doing that just for just straight up, you know, make you sick or make you throw up or just like lead, you know, hammer home that impression of just violence, violence, violence. Whereas there's a way to kind of do it where you're just riding the line. So, yeah. Well, and I the fact that you even said that you did your research. Like, you, you looked up, like, I mean, some of the most gruesome... I mean, again, torture, I mean, devices used. And, like, I mean, again, that's something that you had researched. And, again, like, you put to screen because not just because it was going to be, again, you knew it was going to be some girl naked hanging there. Like, I mean, again, because you know the science of, like, how that was, that's that's a gruesome torture act. Like, it's... Exactly. Yeah, like... 
like like it's it's like if you notice like also like I'm not into I'm not into nudity just for nudity for the sake of a slasher movie. Like it would be a little ridiculous. Like there's no you know there's no scenes of just like you know teenagers running off and just having sex to have sex because it's sex and you're just exploiting sex in a slasher movie. So the only nudity in this movie besides Art the Clown dancing around because that has its own thing going on. Is, is her hanging upside down and getting cut in half because in reality you're not going to keep her clothes on to do that kill scene. It just makes no sense. You know, you're not going to try and cut through cloth when she, you know, you want to cut through the flesh. So, that, I mean, you know, it's not supposed to be a sex, you know, like a, a scene where you're, it's like sex is sublimely flashing in your face, you know? So, they're girls at the end of the night who are dealing with this stuff. It's not like they're. And they're the, they're the protagonists again. They're, they're they're the ones who are fighting through all this. I mean, it's it's three of them, well, four of them actually. Yeah. Um, uh, and again, I thought they all did a great job. But I love the fact that again, they they don't play like how you would maybe think of a typical girl in a horror movie either. Like I think they do. Their characters are very well. They they're not just dumb girls. Like obviously the the, the blonde girl like is more of a yeah. Uh, Party kind of dumb girl, I guess you might say, but like, I mean, she, she still, again, has a good head on her shoulders, kind of thing. Like, it's, it's not like she's, uh, right. Thank you. Yeah, it's true. I, I didn't go into it writing it like that. It's like I have respect for these characters, and they're super strong women. They put up a fucking amazing fight against him. The first girl, you know, the final girl, you think is going to be the final girl, Tara. She, she really gets the best of Art the Clown. Like, she's going to take him out. At that point, she, yeah. kicks, she kicks the shit out of him. He's done. You know, like he has to resort to a cheap trick to take her out. I mean, that's his uh, that's his backup plan. That's his contingency plan. If he gets caught in a trap like that, he Which goes. That, to, he goes oh, that shocked me. I was not expecting that. Can I say that too? Like, yeah. At first, like I kind of knew something was going to happen. Like, obviously, it was like, all right, something's going to happen. But like when when shots went off, I was like, oh man, like. Like I wasn't expecting that. Like I like, and it's kind of cool because honestly, like when you when you think about it, like how you were saying with like Michael and Freddie and Jason, you never really see any of them. They never use a gun, but I mean, why why the hell not? It's a it's a murder weapon. Like exactly, yeah. Like, that doesn't sit well with a lot of people. Yeah, I, I saw I saw that there there was actually someone who. Uh, sorry to cut you off, Pindy. Um, I don't know. There was actually someone who wrote an article who thought it was kind of cheap that Art used a gun. And I, I was reading it, and I'm like, well, shut the fuck up, dude. It's a... that, that, that was the whole point, like you said. It was his last resort. Desperate men do things like that. And it, it makes was, him very real. Yeah, it was, it the, makes him real it was also the shock factor. It was the shock factor of holy shit. And the fact that... Uh, you know, he actually ran out of bullets, went to his bag, put another fucking magazine in, and, you know, shot her, probably emptied the magazine into her again. I mean, that was like, like you said, it. you didn't expect it. It it was a total, like, you know, left hook to the face. Yeah, And I love, how, like, how you said he empties the clip. I love how it shows, like, he's angry. Yeah. Like, again, yeah. <laughs> He's angry that he came to that last resort. Like, yeah, I really, again, I even like subtle things like that. I, I, to me, that's how I took it. Is like it was anger. Like he, 
he doesn't want it to come to that kind of thing. He'd rather kill you with a knife. Like, <laughs> and you actually you nailed it a hundred percent because we do a lot of things in this movie where after he kills somebody, he he kind of winks at the audience or makes a you know a funny gesture or does something because which isn't something I you I, I normally do. Uh, I'm not. Personally, it's not my style to do comedy and that many kind of friggin' yuck yuck jokes and whatnot. But for this, it just felt right because he is a clown. And I knew we were doing so many uh, grotesque things that it would be nice to just give the audience a little bit of levity. So it's, it's still, you're still having a good time watching the movie. I didn't want to just make a disturbing movie where people walk out and they're just like, oh, what a waste. They're just like, I feel gross. Like a lot of people kind of walk out still kind of laughing and feeling like, oh, he was a sick character. That was crazy. That's what I wanted, not like just people going home depressed. So that's why we give him a sense of humor, just to kind of remind the audience, yes, it is a movie. At the end of the day, we're having fun. But, but we could still... But there are moments where you're not supposed to be laughing. And that was, one, that was one of the moments where he kills this girl. He kills Tara, who is your main character up until that point. And it's not supposed to be funny. Like, I purposely didn't make him wink at the camera. He's not smiling when he kills her. You know, one, because it's just a really depressing part of the movie. We are losing an important character. It's tragic. And another thing is, you're right. It's like he didn't want to take her out that way. He was forced, you know. He, his hand was forced to take her out that way. So he's kind of he's kind of disappointed in himself, you know. But he's still gonna. He's not gonna like in any other movie. He would shoot her once, but oh, the clown's gonna shoot her ten times. You know, he's just gonna destroy her beauty. You know, she's not gonna have an open casket. <laughs> you know? So he's always a sick fuck uh, at the end of the day. Uh, I, I loved it, like when uh, when the one girl was hiding and like like you could tell like he wanted to yell at her, but he just has the horn and he's just squeaking the horn. And they're like, yeah, there was things like that where I thought that it was just super well done. Because again, I love that there was no noise, but that was like the only noise he would make. Like it was, I very much enjoyed the movie, and I'm very much looking forward to a second one. <laughs> Thank you so much, man. Well, I'm gonna. I'm gonna write the shit out of it. I really hope. Uh, I hope it delivers. I'm gonna constantly remind myself of what you know people like you like, and make sure we put that into the next one so it doesn't disappoint. And hopefully, the new ideas we introduce uh, they don't disappoint. And they just elevate the material. That's the best I could do. I'm, I'm like I said. I'm looking forward to it, and just from what we've talked about, I mean, again, I I can only imagine the things that Art has in his bag of tricks. Cool, cool. So, uh, and I mean, yeah, definitely keep us keep us posted on when when things are going to be happening with it and all that. Like, we'd love to obviously see the movie when it comes out. And... For sure, man. I mean, I'm pretty active on Instagram, and I try and keep things up to date. And I'll keep posting. You know, I'll post little bits of the script and where the status is on the script and whatnot. Every step of the way, I mean, you'll see what we're up to for sure. So, and I'll let you talk now since I. <laughs> no, dude, I'm so I'm so proud of you. <laughs> you you like carried this entire interview, Pindy. I am so proud. It's like when a dad <laughs> it's like when a dad teaches his kid to ride a bike, and the kid starts pedaling without training wheels. That's <laughs> <laughs> um, what I can. Great. <laughs> I had a blast. Great interview. So yeah. Um. Yeah, I'll keep my. I, I, Pindy actually asked a lot of my questions, so um, I'll keep. 
I don't have that many left. If you know, I have more than three. I have as long as you need. So I'm not. I'm not in any rush. So. Okay. Well, one of the questions I'm going to ask you, you can feel free to say no. Is after the interview, I'm going to turn the recorder off, and I will take the microphone out. I want to hear this death that you think is too fucked up to put in the movie, and it'll just Uh, it'll uh, stay between the three of us. (laughs) I can't tell you exactly what it is, but I'll tell you what it involves. Dude, that, that. okay, that works. Just wait till I turn the recorder off, because that way it'll stay between me and Pindy, and then it'll be okay. like it'll be like a cool secret we'll have. have. <laughs> um, you know, I have you really like let it soak in how popular this movie is with like hardcore independent horror fans? Because I mean, I, it just seems like you're so humble about it. You're so grateful for every person that gets a tattoo of art. I mean. When I sent you that shut up and take my money when you, like, revealed that art statue, you know, I to, to me, like, that's what makes guys like you so cool and easy to talk to because, you know, at the end of the day, guys like Carpenter and Craven and, um, you know, Clive Barker, we all put on this huge pedestal of, like, oh, my God, they're, like, gods. But at the end of the day, they're just like us, you know. They put their pants on one leg at a time and... You know, I think that's the thing with social media is it makes access to people easier and you get that instant gratification of knowing that <clears throat> someone has responded, you know, like like when I asked you if you were interested in an interview and you responded, I was like, holy shit, he responded. Um, yeah, I mean, has it like struck you yet with how popular this is becoming or are you just like enjoying the ride right now? Um... I mean, I, you know, I definitely could tell something's happened and it's really freaking cool and trippy and surreal, but I am just one of you guys, you know, that's all, I'm just a freaking horror fan who happens to try and make these movies and this one just happened to catch on with people. So I, you know, I, I can't possibly, people reach out to me and ask me questions, you know, this is like, it's. You know, it's my horror family. You got, yeah. It's like, it's like if I reach out to someone, I do the same thing to, to to other people who are making movies. I, you know, I ask them questions. I, 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 I mean, I don't DM them anymore or anything like that, but I'll comment on their things if they like something that I, I posted on their one of their pictures. I, I go crazy. Like if Rick Baker likes one of my uh, comments or something, it just makes my freaking day. So I mean, you know, it's just yeah, I'm just a freaking horror fan. That's a, that's really all I am. All I'm focused on right now is I'm just hoping I get enough money and this, this gets enough traction so I can just make the sequel. So all I want to do is just keep making, keep making these movies. As long as they allow me to friggin' just pay my rent, there's a little apartment and I just get to make movies for the rest of my life. That's really, that's all I care about. And so as long as I don't have to work a nine to five job while I'm making these movies, cause that's friggin' hell. So that's really all I'm hoping for. <laughs> Uh, I know you said you work a lot with other uh, people like in the industry. When I was looking up, again, um, after seeing the movie, uh, I watched it because of Ed. Um, I was going to purchase All Hallows Eve. I saw there's an All Hallows Eve 2. It doesn't look like you have anything to really do with it. Do you know the people who did, or was that something you were involved with at all? No, it's the same uh, same producer of All Hallows Eve 1. Um but you know, I told him, I told them from the beginning, you know, that Art the Clown was was mine, and you know, I was going to give them because that movie was basically made off of two short films with Art the Clown that I already made, and they just found them, and they were like, "Ah, oh, let's put them into this anthology." So, like, All Hallows Eve is never something I 
conceived of as a whole, you know, as to what as to what it is now. That was absolutely not my intention whatsoever. That that was the opportunity that was presented to me at the time. So it was the producer was just scouring YouTube for Halloween short films that other filmmakers made. And um, I did see kind of the same concept where he had the VHS tapes and stuff. Yeah, that wasn't my idea, and I actually I hate that I so much because I told him I was like, this is you know this is the ring. Like everybody's gonna just rock this movie for being off the ring. And he's like, no, I don't think so. And I was like, all right, I know that's gonna happen. Sure, sure enough, that happens. Um, common sense, but. You know, I was still grateful for the uh, for the opportunity. I mean, it was my idea since we were going with the VHS thing, more so because at the time the movie VHS was popular. So that was this was going to be a VHS knockoff, basically. That's how that's you know that's how they were going to make a return on their money. So um, so once we had to stick to that formula, then it was my idea to come up with uh, well, what about if a kid's trick or treating and he dumps out his candy and a VHS falls out and then he puts it in and it's things he doesn't know how the vhs tape got in his bag so that was my that was my contribution to the vhs angle but uh yeah i mean you know it's i'm grateful it happened it got a lot more eyes on art the clown which was great uh if that movie didn't happen i probably wouldn't have been able to raise the money to make terrifier so super thankful for that but yeah like i said i am very much looking forward to i am gonna pick up a copy of uh frankenstein versus the mummy because i do want to watch it just because Again, just from watching the trailer and stuff, I do have to say, especially after finding out that you do, I mean, all, all of this pretty much on your own, a lot of the the effects and all that stuff, I mean, that really is amazing to me. I, I really do, as a fan, I mean, I appreciate that. It, it takes a lot of, I mean, I mean, you have a lot of attention to detail and things like that that, I again, I really appreciate. Ah, oh, thank you, man. Yeah, Frankenstein's a very interesting... It was like a very interesting experiment. Like also that, so that wasn't a movie that I wanted to make. Like it wasn't my idea. So the same guy who made Frankenstein, I'm, I'm sorry, made All Hallows Eve came to me and he said, <clears throat> he said, I'm going to be making a, a Frankenstein versus the Mummy found footage movie. He said, do you want to do, I'll repeat that, a found footage movie. And then he said, do you want to do the special effects on it? And I said, yeah, I'll definitely do the effects. I'm like, do you have somebody to direct that? And uh, he said, no. And I was like, I would love to direct it also. I was like, but does it have to be a found footage movie? Because I hate found footage movies. Uh, I like, like, two of them. I feel like after the Blair Witch, it's like, you, it's just, you just can't buy into the gimmick at that point. So I was like, if I could do it for the same budget but make it a real movie, would you let me do it? And he said, absolutely. So... Um, so, I mean, I always loved, uh, of course, you, you love all the universal monsters, you know, they're, they're just staples of your life, oh. not even your child, you know, I mean, they're just always there. So, um, so the first thing I did, I was more, always more interested in Frankenstein as a kid than the mummy, so I would much rather just make a Frankenstein movie. So I read uh, the Mary Shelley book, obviously, and I had to get, I just tried to take as much from that, put it into a modern story, and then incorporate the mummy. So the biggest mistake that I made with that movie was it's it's like super super dialogue driven. There's way too much storyline going on. Way too so it's actually the complete opposite of Terrifier. Like the lack of story in Terrifier might be a result of 
all my mistakes and Frankenstein versus the Mummy. So the next Terrifying might have to be a, you know, somewhere in between both of these movies. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, way too much story, way too much dialogue. Um, and of course, when you hear a movie, Frankenstein versus the Mummy, what do you want to see when you go to write that movie? I mean, you want to see Frankenstein versus the Mummy. Right, okay. So you have an hour and 50 minute movie, which is ridiculously long, okay? And they don't fight till the last five minutes of the movie. And, and on such a low budget, you know, we couldn't make this massive epic fight that it should have been. So we shortchanged the audience on the fight. But I feel like if I re-edited that movie and, uh, and added five more minutes to the fight scene at the end, it would actually be a pretty decent movie. I mean, you can see, you'll notice a lot of uh, traits of mine. Like, there's a lot of graphic violence. There's, there's some cool stuff in it. Um, the monsters look pretty cool. Like Frankenstein, the look of Frankenstein throws a lot of people off because I, I love the, I'm not, I don't know if you're familiar with the Bernie Wrightson uh, comic book, graphic novel look of Frankenstein, but he's like this really muscular, this sort of jacked, um, long hair, but his face is like like a skeleton. It looks really cool. So I love that. So I tried to do that. But people are like, that's Frankenstein. So this is a lot of weird things. It's a very- it's a very weird movie. I guarantee you'll like it a lot more if you're drunk while you watch it, so I recommend that. <laughs> drunk or high. <laughs> I'm looking up his Frankenstein now, and yeah, it's definitely not what your your like typical Frankenstein would be, but like it I mean it it's pretty awesome looking. I mean it's definitely grotesque. Like it's and and super proud of uh, the actor who played Frankenstein in the movie. His name's Constantine Tribes. I found this really great actor, very tall, very muscular. And I told him, I said, so I, I did the makeup, so he kind of looks as close to that as I could possibly do. And I said, play it like Reagan from The Exorcist. And I thought that would make a fucking crazy character. And he did it. I, that, I'm still very proud of that character. I think that character came across awesome in that movie. But, you know, a lot of faults. So I don't blame people for knocking that movie. He's got a lot of problems. But you learn from it. I think Terrifier is a better movie because of that movie, that, because of Frankenstein. So, you know, oh, everything's a learning experience. I think failure is so friggin' important. So, is there anything that you've learned from working on Terrifier that you feel like, again, will... I mean, I'm sure there is, but I mean, is there anything, like, any big takeaways that you had from working on Terrifier that you feel will really help you in working on, not just even just, like, the next one, but maybe anything moving forward? Um, no, I mean, definitely more storyline is going to be beneficial to the sequel. But again, I can't really say that that was a fault because that was my intention going into Terrifier. It was almost like it's kind of what I wanted to do. I've said this in other interviews. I really wanted to see. It's almost like an ex- a personal experiment. Like if I could take the last 15 minutes of your typical slasher where the – the slasher becomes the, the hero at that point, and he's in the movie finally, you know, and stretch that out for a whole feature. There's a lot of pros and cons with that, you know, and the, the cons stand out. So, so the next movie, you know, I definitely learned from that. It's going to be more story. It's going to be more of a classic horror movie formula. Um, and, yeah, I think that that's it. I'm sorry, what was the question again? What did I learn from... Terrifying. Like, you said that you learned. I mean, like you said, uh, Frankenstein versus the Mummy was. I mean, you learned something from that that really helped you again with working on Terrifier. 
Um, was there anything from Terrifier that you really took away that you feel will really help you kind of like, not even just on Terrifier, like the second one, um, but even on any other project moving forward, was there anything like... Um, it's like hard that. to say. I mean, you always get better as a writer. Writing's the hardest part. Um, one thing, the, the biggest thing that people probably wouldn't even care about, but for me personally that I would have done, I would have added in Terrifier, was I would have loved to flesh out the sister who becomes the final girl in Terrifier. Like, I always wanted to do an extra scene, even even a scene from the, the short film where at least she pulls over on her way to the warehouse at a gas station and has, like, an interaction with a gas station attendant just to, get, just to give her something more to do to flesh out her character more, to get more of her personality because she's kind of, like, you get to know her a little bit and then she's just thrust into the situation and she feels a little too throw away even though she's the the wraparound of the entire movie but um like i knew that i knew that while we were still in post-production like i knew i needed that scene and that would have helped that would have helped flesh out the movie a little more but there's just there's just little things that you learn um i mean i don't know i mean all you can do is you get these ideas and you hope they're good and you hope you learn from your last movie and i mean the sequel is going to be really different from terrifier in terms of story, it's very, very different. There's still going to be tons of kills, tons of Art the Clown, but it's going to be a completely different formula. It's not going to be like bing, bang, boom, just one constant kind of... Oh, yeah, because I feel like this one, it's, it's like it starts and it just goes. Like, it just... Yeah, and I don't want to say, like, the, new, the next one's going to be boring or slow. Like, it's not, but it's going to be more traditional, whereas it doesn't happen over the course of five hours. Whereas your other slashers maybe take place over a couple, like two days or something like that. Yeah, I think the audience is going to have more time to breathe and get to know characters as as opposed to just getting thrust into a situation and having to deal with it over an hour and 20 minutes of a movie. You know, so that's where it's going to be different. Yeah, no, I'm very excited for it. And, uh, honestly, just hearing how much you've already like put into place and like how much you've already thought about it just really makes me excited for what what we can expect. I appreciate it, man. I think you're going to like it. I really do. I feel really confident about it. So I'm excited. I'm definitely excited. I think it's going to deliver. Ed, do you have anything you want to? Oh, yeah, I guess I'll bring it home. Unless you, are you good, Pindy? Yeah, I mean, I have nothing else to really add. Um, I I literally just ordered Frankenstein versus the (laughs) Mummy. Good. I can explain it in my mailbox on Thursday. Uh, I definitely uh, hit me up and let me know what you think. And uh, I, I've heard every possible negative critique on everything I've ever done. So they don't negative critiques, believe it or not, do not bother me at all because I either agree with them or I disagree with them. So you know what I mean. So it's like I can't if I agree with them, I can't fault you for. Because I, I know every fault of my movies, like, believe it or not. Like, there's just a lot of things that you can't fix at the end of the day. Like, the movie, oh, yeah. the movie is what it is. You see what's wrong. You can't go back and fix it. Or they have to just rip it from you and you don't have more time to work on it or whatnot. And it's just, it's just the nature of the beast. It's really, it really sucks a lot of times. But So, believe me, the director, most of the time, the director, the writer, they know exactly what's wrong with the movie before people do. So... Yeah, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm talking to both, so I know <laughs> I know who to contact. Yeah, 
it's been awesome talking to you, honestly. It really has. Um, Terrifier was an amazing movie. I thought All Hallows' Eve was great when I first saw it, but, I mean, again, I thought Terrifier definitely took that and, like you said, just kind of took it home. Like, it really, it took everything that was in All Hallows' Eve and just made it so much more and so much better. So it really makes me excited for the next one and possibly a third one, who knows? Like, I'm very much... Very much looking forward to what you guys have in store. Awesome, man. Thank you. This was seriously, uh, this was a pleasure. I had a blast talking to you guys. I just love shooting this shit with uh, horror fans, man, because like I said, I am one. And we could talk about, you know, you ever want to do another podcast where we just talk about Halloween or where the next one can go? I would hang out for two hours and talk about it. <laughs> Fuck, I, dude, I'm free next week if you want to do it. <laughs> Let's do it, man. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I'm down. Um, so I, I want to go back to what you just said. I, I, I really find that admirable that you basically don't give a shit if someone doesn't like it. Um, you know, one of the whole reasons why I started doing this podcast was, you know, I would, uh, you know, I'd listen to YouTube stuff at work and clips and whatnot and... This one guy, I don't remember his name, and I'm not going to give him any kind of, uh, you know, kudos for this, because I thought he was kind of a dick for doing it, um, reviewed The Ginger Dead Man 3, and he was overly sarcastic in how much he hated it, and, you know, I'm watching this, and I'm listening to it, and I'm like, you know, why are you doing this? If you look at the movie and the concept and realize it is a killer cookie killing people, you already know what to expect. Lower your expectations and just have fun and watch the movie. Don't feel like you need to shit on it because the movie was not made to win a fucking Oscar. It was made just to entertain people. And, yep. you know, I, I try to always be very positive with what I watch and I try to find good things. And, you know, even something that's, like, bad. Um, yeah, I just, I don't think that it's right, especially for me, someone who's never made a movie, to criticize someone who obviously did put a lot of effort into something. It means something to them. Um, so, I, yeah, I'm not the type of person to shit on other people's work. I mean, if something's really bad and I can't take it anymore, I'll just stop watching. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm very anti-troll with people's work. Sports teams, on the other hand, I'll troll the fuck out of you, but with people's uh, movies, with people's movies, I'll, you know, because it's, you know, it's a lot of work. Pindy's a musician. I was in a band for a few years and, you know, just the work you put into something that means so much to you. And then someone kind of says, uh, it sucks. It's like, well, fuck you. You sit in the studio for you know, four hours a night for three weeks straight and, you know, yeah. tell me how it's done. It's Your true, turf. man. <laughs> they, can't, they can't relate. Uh, a lot of times uh, a low-budget movie is judged equally with a $200 million movie. <clears throat> and, yeah, I mean, it doesn't cost anything to write a movie, but at the same time, you know, when you have $200 million, it's like you could take a lot more heat. I, I feel like there's a lot more... Um, you know, there's a lot, like if you make a, I don't want to say any, I don't want to throw any, any names on the bus, but like if you make a, 
$250 million superhero movie. I think you should be, you know, rightfully judged a little more if it sucks as opposed to the $20,000 movie that this kid made, you know, that he got this money together and he had to pull in all these resources and do it. You know, they shouldn't be judged on the same level. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of people, but a lot of people, they don't give a shit. If, something, if they don't like something, they're just going to tear it apart. They don't care what it took to make it, what you had to do, you know, how much how much work it was, what it took out of your life, uh, relationships you lost making that thing over years. You know, they, they, they don't care. They don't care. It's just like they're expecting quality no matter what. They want to be entertained. So it's tough. That's something you really have to, you have to deal with. You have to, uh, you have to accept when you make a movie and you, you throw it out to the world, man, they're going to tear it apart. They're going to tear it to shreds, man. You're going to hear the worst of the worst. So you can't let that, uh, you know, you can't let that affect your, your work. Or your you can't let it stop you. No, you just got to go and you got to do the best you can do. And you got to, if you believe in what you're doing, you put, put your all into it. And, you know, I, I thought Art the Clown was cool. I thought other people would think he was cool. So, I, you know, I've been... This character's been in my life now since 2006. Like, if I didn't believe in him, every every little thing that I do with him, whether it's a short film or then it goes, you know, two short films, then it goes into All Hallows' Eve. It's like he just he just keeps growing and growing, and people just keep saying complimenting him. It's like so I, I you know I'm not going to stop no matter how hard it is. It's like I I knew I needed to get him into his own hour and twenty minute movie. It took me since two thousand and six to do that. I was finally able to do it. I believed in it. I had to make so many sacrifices, so much work, very hard, a lot of stress. But if you believe in it, and that's all you want to do with your life, you got to do it. You just have to do it. You have to just take that chance and put your all into it. And hopefully, you know, hopefully it pays off. But the real reward has to be. It's not not it. You know, it's not the movie taking off or people loving it. It's just you having that satisfaction of having made it and that, um, you know, you get the reward from that. It's just because you just want to see it. You, you want to see your imagination, you know, unfold in a movie. That's basically what it comes down to. So that's what you got to do. So let me ask, and I don't know if you really asked this. I know we kind of talked about what inspired art. Um, when... When did the idea of art really come to mind? Like, is, is art really inspired by any one specific person? Like, I mean, I know you said he's, you've been working on him since 2006, but was he actually, like, something, like, um, I don't know, when did he, like, is he, like, did you always imagine art as the way he is now? Like, I mean, did you ever have that, like, when you thought of him in 2006, or even if you first thought of, like, just, like, a creepy clown with, like, that name, like, is that like a character that maybe has always been like in your head or is it just something that you're just like, fuck yeah, creepy clown. Like, <laughs> like how do I make beer? It kind of just started with, like I said, it started with that idea at the beginning of All Hallows Eve. I just had that idea. I really, I gotta be honest, I don't, like, like Art the Clown, like that idea, it wasn't like this lightning bolt that hit me and it was just like, boom, Art the Clown. Like I never thought of him as something that's just like what he is now. That didn't just come to me. Like I just, I always liked clowns. Like I thought there was something creepy to them. I wanted to. I thought of this cool idea with a clown just hopping onto this bus and, and just, uh, you know, antagonizing this woman, and it's just getting worse and worse and worse. Like really, that was the first idea I had. I didn't necessarily know what the clown looked like. I just thought that would be cool to have this clown character, you know, mess with this woman. 
So that was very creepy. And then there was just there was just things that I hadn't seen done with a clown yet. Now clowns are super popular, and there's every clown personality has been done. But at, at that point, as far as I remember, I mean Pennywise, the first Pennywise was the really only standout clown look yeah. and personality at least that I was really aware of. I'm sure there's little clown things here and there. And I was very much aware of the movie Clown House. Oh, <laughs> fuck. Yeah. That movie creeped me out when I was little. And those were silent clowns. And to me, I guess that had an effect on me. I thought silent clowns were creepy. So, But I always felt like I could make a cool clown character that wasn't quite like Pennywise. So Art the Clown. And I knew Pennywise, when you have someone that iconic, it's like you can't possibly step on their toes in any way. So... If you put them side by side, Art the Clown is the complete opposite. Other than them being killer clowns, they're completely opposite. Color scheme, personality, they don't, one doesn't speak, one doesn't use weapons, one's colorful, one's black and white, one has hair, one's bald. You know what I mean? Like, like really, so Pennywise is, is, a, is really responsible in a lot of ways for what Art the Clown is because he's the complete opposite, and that was a conscious decision. So, and also, I guess when I was designing this clown, I'm a huge Twilight Zone fan, the original Twilight Zone. And there's an episode called Five Characters in Search of an Exit. And um, there's a clown in that episode that if you watch it, you kind of see that he's got a little similarities with Art the Clown, like the ruffles and the um, bald cap with the little top hat. I mean, I think his little top hat is like a, a potted plant, like a flower growing out. But you can see, I mean, I, I took a little bit from that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of inspirations from a lot of different things that I just grew up loving. And I just like to see if I could take all these things and just put them in a blender and get something different at the end of the day. And, uh, and also, I, 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 talking to people, and um, I feel like I figured out recently, and this wasn't conscious, but Art the Clown, I feel like his personality is really Freddy Krueger mixed with Michael Myers. When you think about it, that's pretty much what they what they are. Maybe even like Jason thrown in there, but because um, I'm just such a fan, and these things are in me, and I feel like I want to stay as true to the things that I grew up loving as possible, but not do the exact same thing. And I feel like if maybe you can take different personalities and attributes from different slashers and put them together, and then maybe they do work and they create something different on the other end, and. Yeah, I really feel like that's that's what it came from. No, that's awesome. So I think my final question is pretty much answered. Then, so I guess you're you're not at all. You don't have any kind of issues with clowns. You don't. You're not. You were never like scared of clowns or anything like that. You know, sometimes people draw from their fears, kind of thing. Like you never had any kind of no fear of clowns. nothing that like kept me up at night or anything like that. Like I said, I, I think. The clowns in Clown House probably scared me more than Pennywise uh, in the original It, honestly. Um, but I love, I'm a huge, like, massive Tim Curry fan, so I always loved It. I mean, Rocky, <laughs> yeah, Rocky Horror is like my favorite, one of my favorite movies of all time, so I was just a massive Tim Curry fan. But the things that really scared me as a kid were um, The Exorcist, really scared me. Uh, Zelda from Pet Cemetery creeped me out. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, I don't know what really. You know, I, I distinctly remember watching Dawn of the Dead for the first time, and that 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 left it with that that was eerie to me. That's that's one of my favorite movies of all time. But that that really creeped me out. 
But other than that, nothing really scared me. I really enjoyed, had a fun time watching horror movies when I was a kid. You know, I was like kind of, you know, like we all were, I'm sure, just like rooting for the killer. I mean, that was kind of like your superhero when you, when you were a kid, you know what I mean? As crazy as that sounds. So, but yeah, only a handful really kind of creeped me out. And uh, yeah, those were them, I would say. Oh, that's awesome. Again, that, that's pretty much my last question. Is again, I figured, you know, like I said, sometimes people draw on those fears, things like that. But uh, again, yeah, you did a, a great job of again, Exorcist, all those kind of movies I love. But I think you did a great job of just with the character and well writing and everything. I, I really enjoyed the movie. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. I'll let you take it home, Ed. All right. Um, you know, one thing I want to ask you. There's a scene in the pizzeria where. Uh, Dawn is, you know, taking selfies with Art. The one scene where she tried to take his little hat off and it hit him in the face, was that improvised or was that written into the script? No, that was written into the script. Yeah. I knew I needed something. I, I needed her to really fuck with him when the audience was like, <laughs> oh, she's going to get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's done. Uh, what was improvised, that gets a laugh, I'll just say this real quick, is the scene where... Um, Victoria, played by Samantha Scafidi, at the end when she slams the railroad spike into Arthur Clown's uh, shoe and then runs away and he gives her the finger. Uh, <laughs> was, uh, I did not tell him to give her the finger. I had actually yelled, uh, I called cut, but the camera was still rolling. And then as she was walking back to him, he gave her the finger. We managed to capture that on film before <laughs> my cameraman shut the camera off. So everybody on set laughed when he gave her the finger. And then I was watching that footage uh, when I was cutting the movie. I was like, ah, oh, I mean, if everybody on set laughed, maybe they'll get a laugh in the movie. So that's why that's in there. But to me, that's not something I would ever write because I figured, I would have figured writing the movie that that's too overtly obvious and kind of hokey. And you know what I mean? It's just like, that's like an easy oh, laugh. Just to, like, yeah. just flip it. I, I love knowing that too because, again, I love the fact that, again, he doesn't, he doesn't talk. There's no audio to him at all, even like in his gestures. So I love the fact that that's not even like that wasn't even written, and he did that, and it was just it works so well with the character. Again, it's it again yeah. gets so much across without like him saying anything. It's awesome. Exactly. You know, why I think that works so well too is because of the point of the film where it's at. Uh, you know, he's been through so much. There's been so much cat and mouse. He's gotten hit over the head in this, and, you know, at that point, he's just like, you know, he's just like so fed up, and it's just like this resorting to this human gesture. I'm just like, oh, you know, just like, oh, fuck you at that point. You know, I know what you guys could Yeah, so, I'm, I'm dealing with that happened 20 minutes earlier, I probably wouldn't have put it in the movie, but I feel like it was at the perfect point. I'm so. dealing with concussions, blood loss, now I gotta worry about tetanus. Fuck you. <laughs> exactly. Um,. How many gallons of blood were used in this movie? A lot, man, a lot. Honestly, maybe like, uh, maybe we had like four, four gallons. Might not sound like a lot, but when you have gallons of blood, I mean, it is, it is a lot of blood to, uh, to spray around. So, yeah, maybe like four gallons. I'm trying to think what was the bloodiest. Honestly, the decapitation, we actually, during that scene, we actually sprayed the most blood. Um... You know, the hacksaw scene gets the biggest reaction, but we weren't really... This is, there's not a lot of, like, Kill Bill spray in the movie. Because once you start doing that, believe it or not, as, like, cool as it looks, I do like spraying blood, but then it, 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 uh, it goes into a more comic book kind of world. 
like when you're real, you know, blood doesn't spray that much out of every, you know, inflicted orifice you make unless it's coming out of like an artery or your neck or something like that. So I didn't want to spray that much blood in the movie, but yeah. You know, go, going back to what we were talking about earlier with the, uh, the violence and, you know, that fine line of it just being violence or violence and actually meaning something. Yeah. Um, you know, that really strikes a chord with me because I think about movies like The Human Centipede 2 and all the Final Destination ones after the first one. And you look at it and it's like, you know, Final Destination has built a franchise off of how can we kill people in really gruesome, unique, interesting ways. And I feel like it takes away a lot of the feelings behind someone dying in a movie. Like, like with Terrifier, when, a uh, perfect example, when, uh, I believe you said her name was Victoria, the final girl, when she's getting whipped with those scalpels and you're actually hearing the metal hit her and watching blood come away and just watching how Art's whipping her, like, you just imagine how painful that must be. Whereas, yeah. you know, Final Destination 2, someone gets crushed by a plate of glass, and it's a cool, it's it's an awesome effect to watch that, you know, prosthetic just collapse onto itself. But it's exactly. really, like, eh. It's just kind of... It's like, more, in Final Destination, it's more cool and, and, and sort of, like, grand. And uh, you can't really relate to it, but everybody, everybody's been whipped somehow in life. When you were a kid, someone, like, whips you with a belt or something like that, you know what I mean? Or a friend whips you with a twig. Like, you know what that feels like. So when even even when you don't see her skin split in half when he hits her, but just hearing it and seeing it, you can relate to it. You know, it's like you don't have to go that over the top for it to be effective. And um, it's like I like now you know like my crew who I'm friends with, like I'm friends with George the DP and the producer, and we talk all the time, and we're we're talking about the sequel. I bounce ideas over them and stuff, <clears throat> and they throw creative kills at me. And, and I'm like, but you don't understand something. Like, he doesn't. Like, people think the kills in Terrify are creative, but they're really not. They're just they're just done in a way that you're not used to seeing. But they're very cliche kills. Like he stabbed. Like so, he stabs a guy with a knife, but he stabs him in the you know he stabs him in the face 15 times. Like that's creative. You know, but being you know like using like so they're coming up with ways and trying to tell me ways that are very intricate for him to kill, where it's almost coming across as a saw movie. And I'm trying to tell them, but that's not how Art the Clown operates. So like, they're like, yeah, but you got to get creative. I'm like, no, there's ways to get creative with very cliche kills. It's just the way you execute it, where you keep it, you, you know, you keep it identifiable with the audience, where they can relate to it, where they say, oh, somebody could do that to me. I could, I could imagine that. I could picture that. But not, you know, not where it's just really advanced contraption, where he's pulling out this, uh, you know, this gadget, where you're like, oh, what the hell is that? You know, so that's you know that's another thing. That's another trait of his where we have to make sure we we stick to what works. You know, but when people say creative, it's it's not creative that way. Where it's it's him coming up with an intricate kill uh, with something you've never seen before. Yeah, you know, like going to the decapitation. Um, you know, how many decapitations have you seen in a movie? Exactly. I've I've never seen a decapitation like that. <laughs> Where he actually, 
Like I was thinking about it last night because I made a I made a turkey breast last night for dinner, and as I'm cutting it, I just like jabbed a fork into it, and I started cutting it. I'm like, oh god, this is just like terrifying. Right. Imagine that turkey was alive. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> but you know, and, and also the fact that Art just kicked the head afterwards was, you know, that that was kind of like to me. I actually laughed really loud at that part because I'm. I, I look at Art, and I'm like, God, he's such an asshole. <laughs> See, I'm, all right, so, so he kicks the head, and I knew that was going to be one of those moments where he, we wink at the audience and we get a laugh after this atrocious kill. So there's a lot of times in the movie where um, I let Dave play play along or just go crazy, and we did things that were very extreme. I didn't know if I was going to use him or not. But so he kicks the head, and then we have a, you know, there's takes where he kind of throws his hands up like gold, you know what I mean? And every <laughs> Everybody on set laughed at that, but to me, you know, when I'm in the editing room, I, I say, well, the, you know, now that's too much, because now we're getting into an area that's just very tongue-in-cheek, very hokey, and he's, you know, it's getting way too over the top, and it's super important to walk a fine line, where we have to keep him scary, because once we step over that line where he's gone too far, then nobody's going to take anything that he does seriously, so that, that's something conscious that I keep in mind. Oh, we just lost Andrew. Oh, Pindy. Oh, his phone died. His phone died. Uh, well. That's all right, man. You want to wrap it up or whatever? I mean. Yeah, you know what? We can, and then I will, uh, I'll pitch you my idea. Well, I won't pitch you, but I'll tell you the idea I had yesterday if you want to hear it. Sure. Or, or like this, the scenario. I can tell you right now what the idea, well, what the, uh, the idea is that might be going too far, but you could just choose not to show this. <laughs> well, I mean, if you want to keep it secret, I totally respect that. So that's why I was like, well, if you want to wait till I turn the recorder off and it could be like, uh, all right, cool. Because um, there was actually one secret that was told to me and I, I spilled the beans and I feel really bad about it. It wasn't anything big. It was actually a, a person I know who does a lot of like conventions around here. He, uh, he's, his name is James Azrael. He runs the AH, a, HSPAA. And he basically has a bunch of movie props. Like, he has uh, Barf's original costume from Spaceballs that he just preserved, and he brings it to shows. He has, you know, the knife from Punisher Warzone. He has weapons from Resident Evil. He has Michael Myers' head from, you know, Halloween 8. Wow. Um, And I asked him what was Samuel Loomis' book from the Halloween remake, and he said, I can't tell you, and then he pulled me aside and told me. (laughs) <laughs> and I, I thought it was hilarious. I'll tell you when I turn the recorder off. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, we did just lose Pindy. His phone died um, again. I'm very proud of him for I'm... carrying that interview. <laughs> he's back. Oh, he's back, Pindy. Oh yeah. Oh right. Got him. Yeah, magic of editing, dude. You just missed audio gold, Pindy. <laughs> <laughs> I just told the biggest secret that I've ever told anybody. So <laughs> it's like that episode. Of the... It's the uh, the reveal of what will be on the next movie. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I didn't tell him. He, he told me the ending of it. It's amazing. <laughs> it's like that episode of The Simpsons where they can't show that crusty or that uh, itchy and scratchy cartoon ever again. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, you know what? Do you boys want to wrap up and then uh, I will. Penny, you get to hear my genius um, when I tell Damien here the uh, plot I had for Terrifier 2. 
which I thought of yesterday. Um, <laughs> Damien, uh, again, man, dude, thanks so much for talking to us again. Dude, I've been a fan of your work since All Hallows Eve. Um, Again, dude, it speaks volumes of your character to come on to our podcast and shoot the shit with us for this long. Um, and, yeah, dude, I, I appreciate it, and I will always be a fan, and I will always, you know, something with Art the Clown comes out, I will always pick it up. And, yeah, you know, I really hope that a lot of people, a lot more people see Terrifier, and you get to make your trilogy. Thank you, man. Well, first of all, it's been an honor. I appreciate coming on the show. Thank you for reaching out to me. Uh, you guys are really pretty cool. Fellow horror fans, I love shooting this shit with guys like you, so this was a real pleasure, man. I had a blast. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, and also, so I can't give away too many things yet, but Terrifier is going to be coming on some cool platforms in the future. Uh, some cool things coming out. I think I could say that it's going to be on Redbox June 1st. Um, but, yeah, so hopefully it gets in front of more more eyes as uh, in the coming months. But, um, yeah, man, just I, we really appreciate guys like you who are fans and support us and uh, do things like this to just help get the word out. So we really appreciate it. Yeah, and uh, I'm sorry that I don't know this. Is it out on DVD in North America yet? Yeah, it's in, um, I don't know if it's in Canada yet, but it's going to be, I, I think they're working out a deal. Uh, Epic Pictures is working out a deal with them. But um, yeah, no, it's available through Epic Pictures' website. It's on Amazon to get a physical copy. Uh, I think those are the only two places you could probably get a physical copy at this point. Okay, because I, I have the VOD copy that I bought from Amazon, so I'll definitely have to pick up a digital or a physical copy. <clears throat> It's, um, it's a cool copy, man, because we put a lot of, because um, we knew, you know, we know it's harder nowadays to get people to buy physical copies because it's so easy to stream and everything. So we purposely made like cool reversible um, sleeve, like there's different artwork in it. Uh, there's a lot of extra features on it. There's a commentary with me and Dave who plays Art the Clown. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff. It's definitely worth getting that version to get some, some extra perks, you know. All right. Uh, do you want to take this time to plug your social media where the fans can find you, sir? Got a Art the Clown Facebook page that I'm on a lot, and um, Instagram at Damien underscore Leone. That's where I primarily post uh, updates, and you know, if you have questions and stuff, sometimes uh, I would I, I like to answer them, unless you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, Pindy, do you have any shows coming up you want to promote? I don't know if this will be out in time for it, but do you want to give it a shot? Uh, the only thing we have coming up is we're doing uh, Wookfest June 16th at Reggie's in Chicago. Um, we're going to be playing with Jungle Rot um, and Skank and What, uh, Bad Blood and Speed Freak. Um, it's a charity event. It's going to be for a friend of ours who... Um, was actually murdered in his own house a year ago. So it's an event to raise money to, um, again, just kind of keep his memory alive. And we, uh, I mean, we go to a lot of, um, we go to Heartland Animal Foundation and we, we donate our time there. But again, it's a lot of uh, just raising to kind of keep doing this and keeping it alive. So um, come out June 16th. It's a Saturday to Reggie's in Chicago. 
All right. So for Mr. Pindy, I am Ed, and we had the gracious guest Damien Leone on today. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you, guys. Pleasure. Okay. Well, he's probably going to hate me after I pitch my idea for Terrifier 2, so um, hopefully it's not his oh, only no, time on the show. Damien, um, <laughs> get a separate recording. Damien, can we get like a plug of you um, telling everyone like who you are, what you've done, and that they should listen to our podcast? Sure, man. This is... Um, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. I'm going to put it on a different file, so that way okay. Matt could just edit it in. All right, everybody, there you have it. That is our interview with Damian Leone. Please check out Terrifier, All Hallows Eve, and Frankenstein vs. The Mummy. They're all available on Amazon to rent or buy. Uh, pick up a physical copy. It's always better. As you heard in the interview, you get a lot more stuff with the physical copy. Um, and the only way we get to see more of art and more of Damian's work is if people support and actually buy you know, don't be an asshole and pirate it. Uh, just pick up a copy, throw bucks his way, and we will get more awesome stuff for Terrifier. Thank you, everybody. We'll catch you soon.